we are known for brewing a bunch of crazy beers. We've brewed beers with pig heads and pig bones in it, asparagus, whole baked cherry pies or apple pies. Yeah, we, we make a lot of fun, different beer. How cool is this? You've joined a new season of Beyond My Day Job. This season, titled The Craft Beer Inquiries, is all about the make-it-or-break-it world behind the craft beer industry. I'm your host, Lonnie Miller. In our first episode of this new season, you get to hear from the intensely creative founder and owner of Right Brain Brewery, Russell Springsteen. Located in the cherry capital of the world, Traverse City, Michigan, USA, Russell tells you why and how he got into this roller coaster business. Here we go. So, how long have you been doing this? Uh, we just celebrated our 13th year. Okay. All right. In November. Yeah. So, 13 years. It's yeah. been it's been an interesting ride to yeah. say the least. <laughs> and right brain brewery. This is this is solely predominantly your brainchild. It is. It yes, is. it is. All right. Yep. Okay. So, Great Brain what... Brewery, have a few beers and say it real fast. <laughs> yeah, I'll try that maybe sober even. Let's <laughs> Okay, so let's let's go there on the name. Tell me why the name came about. Well, it or... came from when I was a kid. I was a senior in high school and I had a creative writing class. And we came into class one day and the teacher told us that we were all going to take a test and you couldn't do it right and you couldn't do it wrong. And statistically, only three or four of us would be the answer. So, you know, filled out all these silly questions and um, I ended up being the only kid in the class that was right brained. And really? the teacher said, well, you must have done it wrong. Once so <laughs> every day I would walk into class and tell her I'm right brain, you know. I think we had a personality conflict. <laughs> so anyway, um I never forgot it. And then as you know, I my my beer travels when I was seventeen and eighteen, I was fortunate enough to be invited to wrestle on an exchange program in Germany. Okay. And that's where I fell in love with beer. You know, we were we were pounding crappy beer out in the back 40. <laughs> but this was brilliant beer. And the pride and the traditions that they had in their beer just blew my mind away. And I, I was just infatuated by it. And so came back and I really wanted to brew beer. Uh, it wasn't until I moved out to Colorado... Um, I moved to Boulder in like 92 and my brother-in-law was there and he was a home brewer. He got me into home brewing. I became obsessed with it. Hmm. And when I moved back to Michigan, I couldn't find a job. Nobody would, nobody would hire me because okay. there were only seven breweries in 1993 in the state of Michigan. In the whole state of Michigan, seven. Seven. <laughs> so there's almost 400 now. Okay. All right. And so, you know, I, everybody thought I was crazy. I brewed and brewed and home brewed and I gave it away. When I got married, I had it in my wedding and people drank it all. And I was like, wow, I, I think I can do this. So I <laughs> moved to Traverse City 
and I stumbled into a job. Um, I have a barber's license. I'm a barber okay. by trade. All right. So I took a little sabbatical, and finally my wife said, man, you got to get a job. You got to do something. <laughs> you know, so I, <laughs> I went up, and I, I went and visited this brewery that was up in Elk Rapids at the time. It's no longer in business, Travers Brewing Company. Okay. And they said, I had put my application in months before because I knew I was moving up there, and I really wanted to do that. And they're like, wow, are your ears ringing? We were just talking about you. Um, Joe Short from Short's Brewing oh, Company. Oh, yes, yes. He He's quit, and we need his replacement. So I became the assistant brewer. Oh, my goodness. For about a year. Yeah, so I did that for about a year there, and then I moved on to um, Mackinac Brewing. I brewed there as assistant brewer there for just a brief moment. That didn't really work out so well. And then uh, I had a business plan. It, for five years, I, I put together a business plan, and I went into SCORE, which is part of like um, Chamber of Commerce puts these, you know, they're a bunch of old guys. Mm-hmm. And I sat down, and, <laughs> and I, I gave them my pitch. I give them my business plan, and they're like, you really don't belong here. And I just was crushed. Oh. I just about fell under the table. They said, you need to go to a bank. It's, <laughs> you, it's time. You, usually people come to us with a business plan on napkins. And you got a 20, you got 20 page, ah, you have a so 20 page business plan. You were ahead of the curve. With one, five and 10 year projections were like, <laughs> you need to go do this. And so then I became, um, you know, I, I went to bank after bank. Mm-hmm. Most of them had the rejection letter that just, they just handed it to me right there at the table. Oh my God. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody was going to finance this, a brewery, a restaurant. And right. I said, no, it's not a restaurant. It's just a brewery. I'm just going to do food. Mm-hmm. I had, um, you know, I'd done so much research. I'd done five, six years of research on this and her name was Diane Schellenberger at the time she worked for the Brewers Association and I had several conversations with her I, I was I wanted to do a you brew where you came in and you would brew your own beer and then yeah we'd package yep. it for you yep but she said don't do that those are only popular in Canada because their taxation is so much different and they just they're, they're gonna fail here they just will not hmm. and she was right she nailed it she said what you want to do is you want to you, you you want to watch the industry? The industry is about ready to collapse, and then you want to wait for it to start to come back. And when there's four to five percent growth again, that's when you want to jump in because you're going to find all this equipment on the market for pennies. Oh, it's brilliant. And, and I did, I paid attention and I listened to her and I did that. It took a couple of years and then that's when I jumped in. And, um, one of the things she said was, I'll tell you what, don't do food, whatever you do, don't do food, just do beer, focus on beer. Because if you do food, people are going to have all the expectations of a restaurant. 
Right. And right. If you don't do food extremely well, then, um, you know, yeah, you'll they'll just they kind of get sucked in and absorbed and right. So I did it. Huh. I opened up. I opened up in two thousand seven, in, in November of two thousand seven, um, basically a month after the economic crash. Remember that? I sure do. I was in the auto industry, and we were watching it around us. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was uh, very strange times. So I opened up this brewery. I had no smoking. That was before the no, no smoking and right. bars ban in Michigan. Yeah, I had this crazy idea. I opened up. I had six handles. I made six <clears> beers, <throat> and my motto was to just brew whatever I wanted. I didn't. I wasn't going to have an anchor beer. I was just going to keep totally rotating through the menu, which drove people crazy. But <laughs> you, you know what? They kept coming back to see, and then they started giving suggestions. And so, you know, that's we were, great. Just, it was crazy. Um, I opened up and we were instantly packed because we didn't have smoking. I didn't have TVs. You know, people told me I had to have food and we had to have smoking and we'll never come. But my God, it was elbow to elbow in there. We, <laughs> we, we just, it was amazing. It was like, I started this little bonfire and someone was pouring gas on it, <laughs> you know, but it was also connected. Here's, and it was just a good story because the economy was crashing and here I opened up um, right brain brewery, which was connected to my salon salon saloon. It was a big <laughs> concept. Great. I was still, I was still cutting hair, cut hair for the first two years of the brewery being open because I needed that income. I had this whole elaborate plan and then I guess couldn't do it anymore. The brewery took off so fast. So crazy. Wow. I just couldn't, I couldn't manage it. So I <laughs> sold the salon. Okay. I still have a barber's license and the salon saloon still connected to right brain brewery. So ah. if you ever come in there and you people kind of think that's, they don't get it, but right. once they hear the story, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, Sit and have your hair cut while sipping a beer. That's not a bad thing. That's right. Thing. <laughs> that was our motto. You sip, you sip, we snip. <laughs> that was our tagline. And so. to think that creative writing teacher told you, you know, you were wrong in yeah. your assessment. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. She, uh, yeah, she helped me name, name the brewery. And at the time, I, I really wanted... <clears throat> I didn't want to call it, you know, Pine Tree or Peninsula or yeah. something really yeah. boring because I didn't want to be limited in my marketing. Yep. I knew that you could make the greatest beer ever, but if you couldn't market it, yep. it wasn't going anywhere. So Right Brain allowed us to go in really any direction that we ever wanted to. And yeah. and that's what we got away with brewing all these crazy beers. So 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 let's um Let's talk about the logo in and of itself. I've seen different variations, but you predominantly, it says, you know, right brain, right? Right brain brewery. Um, yeah. But any, originally, any, any story behind the picturing of your logo and identity? Well, originally, my original designer, it had the, um, it was Bob and Connie there. We called them Bob and Connie. There was a man and a woman. And then they had brainwaves coming out the left side of their head. Okay. Which drove people crazy. And it was on purpose. It was meant to engage. And so we would get emails saying, hey, 
your right brain and your brain wave is on the wrong side. And <laughs> I would say, well, are you an accountant or right? And yes, they were, they were <laughs> either engineers or accountants. <laughs> so oh, um, oh it was good fun. And then I had a falling out with that designer. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but sure. it just did. And then I just said, screw it. I'm going to do my own. I'm going to do another logo. Okay. And I had a really strange concept that for the first few years, I purposely changed my logo constantly. Hmm. And I was told that you cannot do that. People, <laughs> you can't do that. You have to have an identifiable brand. And I said, why? I can do whatever I want. And I did. And people dug it. They would buy the new t-shirt. They would get the new logos. It was a good way to keep merchandise moving. I never thought about that. Yeah. And it kept people engaged. Um, I don't do that so much anymore. I've kept pretty much the the logo now is it's a handwritten yeah. right brain brewery. So another, a former designer that I had that I worked with, Andy Tyra, super fun guy. I really enjoyed working with him. He that was his handwriting. It's okay. His script. Right. It's his script. <laughs> so we called it the Tyra font. It's his Tyra very font. own. <laughs> there is no other font like that. So it, uh, his font is on my head as we speak. Correct. <laughs> so that, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was fun. That's great. Um, All right. Well, so you, you mentioned earlier something and I almost wanted to, see if you would view it as crowdsourcing where you talk about other people were giving you ideas for, you know, brews and, you know, different flavors um, in your, you know, your early days, I was looking and I'm, you know, I've seen you guys for years, but some of the names and I want to ask you what your personal favorite is. My personal favorite is your CEO stout. Um, I've seen some of the pretty creative names, you know, Dead Kettle IPA, Naughty Girl, Chubby Squirrel. Um, you've got, I don't know, how many different, over the life of your, um, what, 13 years, what's, what's the, how many have you guys, how many unique flavors have you guys kicked out to your best recollection? Oh, somewhere between three and 400. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. Some of them are one-offs mm-hmm. that we just brewed once. So, you know, I never wanted to go into distribution. I just wanted to have a pub. Yeah. But yeah. the original brewery was, for the first three or four years, was growing somewhere between 40 and 60% a year. Mm. Um, we got to a point about 18 months in that we we would run out of beer because I just had a small little seven barrel brewery and okay. I'm not kidding you. We would, we would run out of beer and I'd have to shut down. And oh my God, the people were angry at me. They're right. like, we drove up here from downstate and you're closed. And you, and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I, oh. I, I just can't brew enough. I cannot brew it fast enough. You're drinking it faster than I can brew it. So we added a couple tanks. I outgrew that original space, which was downtown in Traverse City. And um yep, yeah, downtown Traverse City. Mm-hmm. And so we eventually we bought our own building about a mile from downtown. Okay. We have our own little space. We've got a really nice building and we grew. And you know, then we got into distribution, which I didn't really want to do, but right. I did it because I had to keep growing, of course, you know. Right. 
What so, was let me let, 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 off, Can I what 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 would you perceive as kind of the biggest motivator? Even though you said you didn't want to do it, but you wanted to grow. Why did distribution finally succeed with you? Like why 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 did, why did you finally give in <laughs> to, to distribute? Because like, distributor reps, um, the distributors started courting me hard, mm-hmm. and you know they really wanted this product and. You know, I was caught in this, the American dream, and you had to keep growing your business. You're either growing or you're dying. Okay. All right. And so I, you know, I kind of got sucked into that, and it was exciting. Yeah. And then CEO, they all wanted CEO. That's my number one brand. It's crazy. It is. Um, okay. I didn't realize It's crazy. That. Oh, yeah. We smashed that. Oh, it's, it's, it's so, a wonderful taste, man. It's a good Yeah. Flavor. We started uh, distributing that. But, you know, when you're, when you're distributing, they only want two brands. They want those horses is what I was told. You need some horses and okay. get on them and ride them. And my idea was, no, let me throw a pie hole in here and let right. me throw this in and let me throw all. And it, it was, it just didn't work. Huh. It was too hard. Okay. Uh, it was just too hard. All the SKUs, SKUs, you know, mm-hmm. all the SKUs, they didn't want to deal with all those SKUs, especially the in and the outs. Some distributors will do that. Anyway, yeah, it just no, it's it's incredibly difficult. That's um, so right now. I've got about twelve brands that I run, some seasonal, some year round. Okay, but what's your personal favorite? Um, I'm Dead Kettle. I, I really dead enjoy kettle. the Dead Kettle. It's an IPA. Yep, and it's got citrus hops in it. It's just a nice citrusy. It's five point eight percent alcohol, so it's not real high. Yep. Yeah, it's just easy drinking beer. That's my favorite. So for the layman out there listening, IPA stands for? India Pale Ale. And what does that really mean? India Pale Ale, the British, when they colonized India, they, the brewers would brew the beer, pack the barrels full of hops because it's a preservative. Mm. And then they were dry hopping. They didn't even know what they were. They didn't even know they were creating this beer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they would send them down to the colonies. The troops would drink them. The troops would come back home and say, we want that beer. And they're like, here it is. And they're like, no, it doesn't taste the same. We want the <laughs> one with all the, the hop flavor. And so they accidentally, and then the brewers are like, what? My goodness. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny because the the British, the rest of the world doesn't, use hops like the americans the americans go way over the top often with (laughs) hops i try not to i try to keep our beers balanced you can Mm -hmm. still have hop flavor profile aroma all of that without it just being so bitter because it's a bittering agent you know it it balances the sweetness of the wort. i walk into a lot of brew houses and i'm like you've got so many ipas and it's almost like an imbalance. And I didn't know from a trend in the industry what you've seen and what's taking place now with the IPA and the double IPA and triple IPA. You know, just what what have you been observing regarding yeah. the IPA popularity? That, yeah, for sure. The the IPAs are huge and there's huge segments of them, just like you said, the doubles and the mm-hmm. triples. And um, they're... There's also the new seltzers, of course. Yes, isn't isn't even beer. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> um, we're working on a seltzer smoothie right now. We're actually working on 
non-alcoholic beverages because we we want a bigger we me i do <laughs> i want a bigger <laughs> portfolio of i want a bigger portfolio so when people come into our pub they you know they don't have to just drink beer yeah so it's a family yeah kind of appeals to the consumer you know yeah or you know you come in patrons. even with a group of friends and somebody doesn't drink or yeah for whatever reason and yeah you know, you got to have an offering for them. So we're actually developing soda pops, seltzer hmm. waters. Um, we've we've made an NA beer. It's, okay. To be legal, it has to be 0.05% or less. And okay. so crazy enough, we, we, we figured it out. It's been probably the most difficult formulation I've done. It's taken me about two years, but we've got it dialed in. We, we miss once in a while. And then we just sell that beer as almost 1%. We, we can't claim that it's NA. So. Got it. I was wondering, because if you got yeah. greater than zero, they can still label it, though, as non-alcoholic. Correct. Yeah, it's okay. got to be 0.05 or less if it's pumping. Right. You know, like we made one, we made a CEO NA. It was 0.053. <laughs> so it was so close, but we called it nearly there. So, and, okay, science yeah, so, question. Sorry, sorry sure. Eric, I'm curious. The measurement of that alcohol content, how do you actually get it? You just expressed something to three decimal places. What yeah. are you doing to really measure the alcohol content of a batch or whatever volume well, uh, that you're, ours is, you're going yeah, off of? Specific gravity, original gravity and specific gravity. So we know we can dial it in to that parameter, but then we actually send this we send samples off to have it tested. Oh, to a lab. Through a lab. Yep. Okay. And they're like, ooh, you were close. <laughs> no cigar. <laughs> Chat again. Oh, so, my goodness. What's that yeah. turnaround for sending it out and getting the results back? A couple days. It's expensive, okay. though. It's a couple hundred bucks to do it each time. So, you know. Local or some regional? No, I send, it, I send it out to San Diego. However, there's a... Um, our, our chemical supplier in Michigan, Envirobrite, is beginning to do that now. So oh, it'd be great. Okay. Yep. So. Okay. Drive it over to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, let me get some rapid fire questions with you. Um, if you just look back over the history of Right Brain Brewery, what um, single most challenging aspect of it? you can put your finger on today um the single most difficult challenging yeah. was, yeah. was developing the na beer that, okay that, that was that was Man managing people <laughs> <laughs> that, managing people in the bar industry that right there is okay. honestly a tough one because there's a cast of characters that roll yeah. through there sure. sure and they can be fun but they can also not be fun but well yeah, managing and people Okay. Managing money. Managing money is incredibly difficult. You know, people see and they're like, oh, you must be rich. You must be a millionaire. And I'm, and I'm not. Right. Because it's such an incredibly capital intensive business, you know, to grow, you need capital <laughs> yes. to be able to buy new equipment and to do that. And so that's been, that's been incredibly difficult. Um, I'm not well capitalized. I never have been. I mean, you know where I came from. We yep. didn't come from any wealth at right, all. I, right. I just started this. I started it with my sister invested, and I had another investor. Okay. I've since bought them out. 
Um, but you know, raising capital has been extremely difficult. And you and, bought and used that, equipment originally, right? Like you said, you waited. Yeah, for, you know, I bought used equipment all the way up until a couple of years ago when okay. really there, there wasn't any used equipment on the market because everybody, you know, there were so many breweries. Like I said, it, you know, mm-hmm. 13 years ago, I was licensed number 67. And now they're Michigan's closing in on 400 licenses for breweries. So that used market is, is yeah, gone. I can see that. Okay. All right. So you had to buy new, which okay. is fine. So um, let's talk food for a minute. As you mentioned earlier, right? Just beer only, beer and yep. haircut. So uh, sustaining growth in the business. Can you do it without food, without a menu? Yeah, we proved that this summer that we can. Um, I, I bought a food truck a couple of years ago and I would spend 80% of my time managing that darn thing. <laughs> the food um, truck. The food truck because <laughs> of there's a labor shortage in Traverse City. There has been for five years. Okay. And so, you know, you're running this food truck because people just they have to have food, but they right. really don't. So um, I sold that off this summer when quarantine came. Mm-hmm. I told my wife, I'm selling that truck. She said, right. And I did. I sold it. <laughs> I sold it, put it on the market and sold it in two hours. We let them come out and really? do that. We're working on another food truck to be there this summer. Uh, oh. um, actually, yeah. the Grand Travers Pie Company will have yeah. their food truck out there, and we partner with them. We make beers with whole baked pies in there. So it's yes. going to be a great partnership. They're super fun right. to work with, and it's, yeah. it's good, exciting marketing opportunities. So... I don't do food. Um, okay. We were, uh, you can bring food, you can eat at the food truck, but we just make liquid. Uh, focus, <laughs> focus on what you do and do it well. You can't, right. you can't yep. do everything. And, you know, there are some nice breweries with great food service and good for them. I'm not doing yep. it. I don't yep. have to, and I'm not going to. <laughs> you can't make me. I already tried. I failed. <laughs> so know the limits and know where you yeah. excel. That's, that's no, smart. but I love that's food, smart. and some of our beers have been inspired by food, like uh, pad thai. We make up, we make Thai peanut, and I had a pad thai dish once. Uh, I laid in bed and thought about that. And I kept waking up thinking about how awesome that was, and could I turn that into a beer and get those flavor components to come back across? So, so food, what's what's it taste like? What's it describe it to us? Pad thai. What's the full name of that? Of that beer, Thai peanut. It's called Thai, thai peanut. peanut. We, okay. yeah, we um, we custom blend our own peanut butter. We put Thai chili peppers in there. We put coconut oil in there, and it tastes <laughs> like peanut. It's got peanut butter flavor with, you know, a burn on the back of your tongue. Okay, all right. So it does you know, we've tried cilantro <laughs> that didn't work. The cilantro faded too quickly. We tried lemongrass originally, and lemongrass just absolutely did not come through. It's too much okay. water base, and okay. So yeah, we've we've tweaked it. We've we got it pretty dialed in now, though. And people, it's got a cult following. They know this beer. We only sell it in the pub, so you got to come to Right Brain and get it. it to get it okay you may reminded me of something i wanted to ask so you talked about the challenge with the non-alcoholic and hearing you describe you know these small batches and you know they, that didn't work out 
funniest fail in making a large scale batch? Maybe it's not funny, but um, <laughs> ha ha, dark humor. It, yeah, I, I, you know, I've never found failure funny, Lonnie. Come on. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we we really people ask me that a lot, and we, we've never really failed on and that because we have a pretty good idea going into a new beer okay. when we're doing something crazy. Um, we've got a pretty good idea of what it's going to do. And on the first time we can get close and you know, it's science. So right, we were right. just, we were just talking about that this week. I'm like, can't have too many denominators. So the next time we do this, let's do this. Let's not do two things. Let's do one ingredient mm-hmm. or right. one thing and see if it works. And it takes us about five times to brew it. All right. Um, funniest fails. They weren't really fails. One time we, when I was in my old space, I, we had made cherry pie hole for you know, cherry festival. Yep. And I came in and I'm looking at the tank and there's only, you know, there's only like 20, 30 gallons in there. And I'm like, where, where is this beer? You know, and the brewer's like, I, uh, um, I, I'm like, no, seriously, where, where is this beer? It's hugely expensive beer to make and it's game time because it's too late to go back and make this beer again because Cherry Festival starts in three days. Where is this beer? They dumped it down the drain. They weren't paying attention. <gasps> they weren't paying attention. They dropped the yeast. Probably, you know, this kid was a total stoner. And oh. he just let it go down the drain. Um, My goodness. I wasn't laughing. <laughs> I didn't no, find... that's not funny. <laughs> and he didn't work there much longer after that. <laughs> so... Um, Going into yeah. Cherry Festival. Yeah. That goes back to employees. Erg. Mm, right. Yeah. So. Wow, Russell. Yeah. Okay. Dumped a, you know, dumped a, about a thousand bucks down the drain. So would you well, say. Well, I'll give you a, a one that okay. I did. So we had, I had a brewer that was being, he wasn't cleaning hose properly. Okay. And they were lying to me. And I went into the brewery and hid. When he came in, he pulled the hoses down. He mm-hmm. started to just hook them up without cleaning them. Uh, but we had a bacteria problem. My beers were going sour. And I'm like, okay. guys, what's going on? So we tore the entire brew house apart. We threw away all the gaskets, brought in all new gaskets, recleaned everything, and it came back. And that's when I caught him doing that. But I was, I mean, that, that almost took me out of business. Yeah. Because yeah, I had to dump. I had to dump a ton of beer, but I moved some into a whiskey barrel and it was sour. Okay. And I put that on tap and then I sold a few, you know, I sold a little bit of it and then I just dumped it. I'm like, I don't want sour beers. But then people, I started getting five-star ratings on this beer. Oh, (laughs) and and I dumped it. I I dumped it myself. I probably dumped about 5,000 bucks down the drain. Not knowing that the next crazy trend was going to be sour, sour beers. beers, right? So now we make sour beers on purpose. 
<laughs> and we don't dump them. We sell them. <laughs> you bring so, Hyderman back, and he can sour your beer without yeah, even really thinking uh, about it. <laughs> yeah, well, we're definitely wow. So that's a fun yeah, story. Sour that beers, is. boy, who'd have known? We we pulled some yesterday. Our brewers, we were actually sampling and tasting um, barrels that we've had that we've been sitting on for five years. Okay. So for St. Patty's Day this year, we'll bring out all these crazy sour beers. We'll have a um, barrel-aged sour program, and right. we'll start blending those all together. We'll probably make right. probably about five different um, beers, five different blends. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, just it almost sometimes you can't predict what's popular. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. I mean. <laughs> um where where's what do you see where do you see the you know you and your competitors or peers or you know friends in the industry where where are things heading right we're sitting here and um forget covid forget the pandemic theme but in terms of the you talked about sour beers popularity Mm -hmm. but what are some other shifts and trends that that you've got a pretty good certainty about that that things would move in forward that impact your business yeah um obviously seltzers um, okay. lo- low alcohol beers are coming back. That's why we're jumping on that train. Um, the seltzers are big. We make a seltzer. I, we don't have any intention of, of marketing it. We'll sell it in the pub on tap only, but okay. it's, it's too late for me to chase all that. And the market segment is just plugged. So, um, we're making, um, we're making a smoothie seltzer right now. This has been difficult to try to figure it out. We're, we're pretty close Monday. I think we'll finally nail it. So it's like a smoothie. <laughs> it's interesting. It's full of, full of fruit, full okay. of fruit. So that's coming. All right. Um, yeah. I, I, so yeah. I've been approached. We're making non-alcoholic beers. I've been developing and non-alcoholic products for a year because honestly, the, the weed industry is changing things. And so we've really? been, we've been approached to make non-alcoholic products that they can dose with uh, THC and CBD. Ah, uh, the oils. Because, okay. yeah. So, um, you know, to me, that's been excitingly an exciting challenge because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're making new products. Right. We haven't done that, all that part of it. I'll have to do it on that's it's complicated, but it's yeah. challenging me. So I kind of having fun with that. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? Le- I never know. Legalize. Right. <laughs> so they just passed a bill a couple of weeks ago to allow the uh, THC to be dosed into non-alcoholic products. Two, two years ago in the middle of the night, our, Michigan pass a law literally without any heads up in the middle of the night that you couldn't put THC into beer. And boy, did that really anger some people because I, I know that some of the bigger guys had to have something already developed. They were waiting in the wings for this to happen. Uh, And then bam, boy, there was, Hmm. They were tipping over tables, but I'm like, I, d- I just sat back and watched. And I'm like, okay, there's going to be another avenue for us to, you know, make new liquid. 
Right, right. Yeah. You, so, you've had, you seem to have that kind of wait and see and that patience level from not, what you've not been always. sharing with me Some, so far. Sometimes I just rush right into it and then I'm like, oh man, <laughs> it's been easier to watch other people succeed or fail and then slip in behind them. But you know, I, right. I, I have to go crashing in. I got an idea. Let's do it now. So, so how, how much brainstorming with other local or regional or you know national brewers do you do where where's the sharing Um, or or lack of in recently i haven't you know covid really has stopped a a lot of Mm -hmm. that but um when when things fire back up i'll reach out and we'll do some collaborations um we've had collaboration day two years ago where we collaborated with a dozen different breweries and then um Sold those. What all, was the result? Sold of them that? all through the pub. Okay, people love right. it, you know, because they know they yeah. have their favorite breweries or wherever they live. You know, we're a tourist town, so people are coming from other places, and they mm-hmm. and it's exciting for them to see their brewery. And when we get together, it's fun. Um, we share, right? You know, it's such a small, friendly industry that you're sharing information, and you know, we've right. we've changed procedures based on what other people have said and and some of them have come back to me oh you know the the state was auditing people and i i had one Uh. brewer in particular and i'm like listen dude you've got to do these things and they don't tell you you have to figure it out usually the hard way but you need to do this and so he called me one day and he's like man thank you we listened to you we were doing that. The state came in and audited us and said, oh, wow, nobody usually does this because otherwise you're mm. going to get fined. And he's okay. like, yeah, he's like, that, that was awesome. So, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, there's so much rules and regulations and bureaucracy that it's, it's hard to always keep up on it. And, and if right. you're violating, we're not always intentionally violating. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. But when you know, you yeah. know. You, start, right. you, so, you change you change the way you're behaving yeah so, so that's yeah that's worth sharing with other people because that benefits everybody sure you know, i'm sure the that, whole industry and, you know totally yeah all, all yeah but knowing that if i had a there. question i can pick up the phone and i've got a couple uh, close friend brewers that i'm like hey man uh, how are you doing this and mm-hmm. and i always share that information back so, got it that's great. I like hearing that. That's okay. Yeah, that's a theme I'm going to explore with some of the other interviews because that's really of interest to see the, you know, because, you know, your livelihood's tied to this. So, you know, what's open versus not for sharing. Right. From that. Um, okay, another question. Uh, Rowdius, I've seen you on uh, Facebook and you guys have got a fun, really easygoing vibe and tone on social media. I saw one pretty long post from Right Brain Brewery earlier this summer, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a long playback of, uh, mm, maybe I'll put it nice, obnoxious customer that was, you know, the mask up, you know, challenges. And I really was reading that. So it made me think, what's your, to your memory, Russell, what's your rowdiest customer story? My rowdiest customer. Well, it's women, women. <laughs> yeah, totally. They, the bridal groups that come in. 
Uh-huh. They're by far, hands okay. down, the rowdiest. Typically, okay. we're not their first stop. And so they've been on a bus all day. They've been wine tasting and beer drinking. And then they pile into us and they are crazy. <laughs> they are. Um, are they profitable? Yeah. My, my daughter, she's 18. She's tended bar yeah. and she's like, oh my God, dad, they are so obnoxious. I'm never going to uh, be like that. I'll never do that. That They are so <laughs> obnoxious. And so, you know, they're having fun and they're all. Sure. You know, they're dressed up. They've got their, you know, their theme T-shirts, and they're right. having fun. But sometimes we just have to tell them, right, tone it down. You gotta, yeah, yeah, tone it down. <laughs> um, you know, we're not. Right. We're really. I think our atmosphere is pretty chilled out, so people don't get wasted at right. our space. And I think we've only had one fight ever, and it just came from, you know, honestly, this guy was his. It was during uh, economic crash, and his his mm-hmm. business was going into bankruptcy, and he got into an argument with one of his partners. But that was okay. that was short lived. Are you are you guys in the igloos that I'm seeing the clear dome? No, igloos with, absolutely no. Okay. not. During quarantine, I sat for nine weeks in the middle of my pub. I set my office up there and so did my wife. And she said, one thing that we're not doing is getting those igloos. Those are incubators. And <laughs> I said, you got it. Uh-huh. So got it. And, you know, honestly, at the time, I didn't know what the restrictions would be or what they would let us do. Or I didn't there. The rules come on Thursday night and you have to apply them on Friday. So it's been incredibly difficult being on your feet and trying to get your staff on board with that. That's that's been challenging for the last six Mm. months. So right now, okay. I had all these extra cooler panels. Now, brewers are the greatest MacGyvers. You know, we, we can make anything out of anything. So I had all these extra cooler panels and they lock in together and they create a wall, you know? And so we took our cooler panels, these extra panels, and we turned them into huts so that you had a roof Uh and they were, you you were sided and that, yeah. So we've got these huts and then we painted them. I got it. I was trying to keep my brewers busy so they were actually <laughs> painting they had fun doing that this so they painted all that so we basically it looks like a refugee camp out there it was shanties yeah <laughs> it's our refugee camp with beer privileges oh so but people love it they're like oh this is such a great idea and i'm like yeah this is right. a great idea this is really what i dreamed of when i <laughs> A big shout out and credit to Mike Cardas for the opening guitar riff. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Beyond My Day Job. You'll find it on any of your favorite podcast feeds, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Anchor. And, good or bad, leave me a review. I'm genuinely interested in what you think. Have a great day.